Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Pastor Steve Macias and Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor. Thanks for joining us today for this edition of the Out of the Question podcast. I'm Andrea Schwartz and joined by my co-host, Father Steve Macias. Steve, I'm sure you're familiar with the censorship that has become all too prevalent in much of the media today. When people rely on only a few control sources, the ability to know what is going on in our communities greatly diminishes. So the question today is this, is it time for Christians to abandon the media sources that manifest a hatred for Christ and his kingdom? Well, I think a preliminary comment would be to speak to the relationship between Christianity and media and really recognize that Christianity, whether it's the first century or the Reformation, has always been an attempt to control a dialogue. And I think that today as Christians, we have fallen relaxed on the idea that maybe any information can become neutral, and we've allowed the myth of neutrality to take a place in our minds so that we're allowing those who control the finances or the politics to determine what truth and what information we receive. And Christians have not taken the lead to lead in media and in news. So with that as a backdrop, we have invited Reverend Jeremy Walker to come and talk with us today. Now, our listeners might well remember that he's been on this broadcast before talking about his role as a Christian minister and an educator. And for those who have a long history with Chalcedon, Jeremy Walker happens to be the son-in-law of a great friend of Chalcedon, Reverend Ellsworth McIntyre, who not only was a good friend to Dr. Rush Juni personally, but after Dr. Rush Juni passed, and actually a little bit before as well, when it came time for massive book publishing to take place, it was Dr. McIntyre and the members of his church and Grace Schools that financed a lot of it. In fact, the most recent republication um, with the new edition of the Institutes of Biblical Law was funded by these folks down in Florida. But today, we're going to talk about another venture that Jeremy has created, a Christian internet radio station and a Christian podcast network, and to talk about not only the need for, as Steve mentioned, but the reality of that it can be done. So welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. So why don't you just start with this idea of a Christian internet radio station? Definitely. Well, the idea is that Christians need to get out their message. And I think it's very important. I mean, we have the truth as Christians. Everybody likes to talk. Uh, Mostly it's just opinion. And that's what most people are, I would say, entertained by more than anything else. They tune in to talk radio. They are entertained by many different podcasts, news stations, listening to opinions. But Christians actually have something that is real, something that's true, something that's needed. And it's also our duty to propagate. Uh, That is the Great Commission itself, to teach all nations. But I find that people don't actually want to teach as much as they should, especially Christians, if they have the truth and they're really adamant about making a difference in the world. 
then they've been told how to make a difference, to go out and teach. And so that's kind of the drive behind what I did. I've worked with many different people. Uh, obviously, we're in child care. So we're out there you know, in the local community, getting out there and helping the local community, their children, their families. Well, the reason why we started uh, the CR101 radio uh, network was because enough people were fighting. And I know that you guys are no, uh, you're not new to this whole thing. You guys have been in the Christian community for a long time. And Christians do nothing but fight. They fight, fight, fight all the time. And you can have really good Christians who agree on 99% of doctrines, but that one doctrine, they're going to just rip each other apart, defriend each other. They're going to have massive explosions on the internet where they're fighting with each other and just splitting all over the place. And so I tried to work with many different people and many different sources, but contentions just were everywhere. So I wanted something different where Christians could just get out uh, information that was important and the truth. And not everybody's going to be an R.J. Rushdie. And one of the things that I have also been working on for the past uh, three, four years now is uh, Rushdie Radio, which uh, Calcedon thankfully gave me permission to operate. And what that means is I've been, been putting out Rushdie's sermons and lectures, something that the Christian community sadly uh, does not have. Um, they have, lack of a better term, horrible, horrible doctrine. And uh, so many people are trying to put out podcasts and things like that, which I think podcasting is good, which is why we have the podcast network. But when I did mine, first we started with Restoring Radio, getting his information out there. He's been the most prominent person that changed my life, and I wanted to share that with other people. I think more people need to not only listen to him, they need to get his books. On CR 101 Radio, we also do book giveaways. We used to do Restoring book giveaways once a month. But there is a severe need. So we actually started giving away one restaurant book every week. And we've been doing that now for, I don't know, a year now. Um, as much as we can, getting stuff out there, getting it in the hands of people to let them read it. And the podcast network brings on Christians who are willing to create content. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Christians are not even willing to create content for the consumption of others. And that's one of the big things. I mean, on our network, I'm able to give out free hosting, free storage, free everything. Only thing a Christian has to do, at least an Orthodox Christian that is, Reformed Christian, they have to be able to produce content that's you know solid, orthodoxy, and worth listening to. And that could be on a range of topics. But I have been having this out there, and it's very hard to find people willing to actually put time behind it and get out there and produce content. And so we're talking about the importance of the need for it. If you look at the world today, there's nothing but non-Christians everywhere, and they are absolutely 100% dedicated to creating content. That's what 99% of what you see, movies, television, podcasts, it doesn't matter. In the field of education that I'm in, you can't get any Christians interested in starting schools, hardly, getting them interested in becoming teachers. Most of them think that, well, the government schools are there, therefore we have it covered. We don't really have to start schools. But getting people involved to not only spread the message, like in podcasting and uh, preaching, teaching, and lecturing, uh, but getting them out there into the community to actually do something as well, helping their local communities, is something that, lack of a better term, it's very disheartening uh, because the Christian community is lacking theology, which is why I think the rest uni in particular in Chalcedon is sorely needed, which is also one of the reasons why I can plug it just about to go live real soon. Uh, Rest Your Knees books will be on Audible, which we've been advertising a little bit. 
So not only can you get Rushing's books, uh, his actual books from Chalcedon and read them yourself, you can listen to his lectures, which are on Chalcedon or Rushing Radio, but also real soon you'll be able to also listen to audiobooks. And apparently, I think that literacy has gone down a lot in our society, and many people have turned to audiobooks for because they're not as literate as they used to be, and also because maybe when they're driving or otherwise. So we have a lot of projects that we're working on, but I think that this subject is uh, super important, and that's why I'm out there trying to do it, because I can't really say there's a whole lot of other people trying. So Steve, as somebody who travels in ecclesiastical and scholarly circles, do you agree with Jeremy's assessment that we have people who um, want to argue more than they want to educate? I think we have people who think very highly of themselves, and they see the, the power of arguing as somehow uh, giving them authority. And as St. Paul warns us, that type of knowledge really puffs up. And I think what we should really take from what Jeremy has just said when he talks about literacy is that there's a, a great need and a great parched land that needs some water. Now, some people might say that this type of scarcity of literate or interesting people might be discouraging, but I would say the exact opposite is true. Uh, it's exactly in times of intellectual famine, right? Right now, when it seems as though very few people are interested or very few people are active, um, it's at this time that somebody like Jeremy has the most ability to influence legions of people. And so rather than hearing any type of, of discouragement from Jeremy, I hear that he's recognizing that for such a time as this, this important project can actually make some good headwind. So Jeremy, how do you actually promote your network and your Christian podcasts in general that are on your network? Well, we do quite a few things, really. And I think that if Christians want to learn how to succeed at what we're discussing, propagation, getting out their message. In many ways, uh, the non-Christians are far more intelligent and far more gifted than we are in a lot of ways. And so we can learn, even though we don't follow their doctrines, uh, sometimes their ways are things we can learn from. And uh, so when we're talking about this, advertising, the platforms that are out there, I had a man one time who was talking to me about how we had to have everything had to be Christian or we couldn't use it. And, uh, you know, cause we were talking on Facebook and I said, well, if that was true, you shouldn't be on Facebook because Facebook is obviously not Christian. The conversation fell apart real quick and uh, he <laughs> kind of kind of walked away. Um, but what happens is this. There are already platforms out there. And this came when I was I had the idea of creating the podcast network with Western East stuff and all the rest. How to get it out there? What was the best way? And some people think the best way is to create apps for smartphones and things like that, which you can do. And it's a very good tool. Everybody in the planet has one. But I didn't want to go that route. Um, there are already platforms out there like Facebook, like Twitter, like Instagram, WordPress, SoundCloud. You have iTunes. You have uh, iHeartRadio for all the podcasting stuff. And for on my network, for the podcast that I have on there, and right now we have, I want to say, 12 or more on there right now and uh we have them on all the major platforms all the major podcasting directories and because there's people already out there absorbing material on a platform already before we even show up on the scene so instead of creating a new device to try to get people to come to us to to my app uh, we just take the message to where they're already at 
a good way of viewing this, if you're going back to the first century, uh, Paul and these guys didn't stay in one place and ask people to come to them. They went to where they were at to, to preach and to teach. And so I kind of put that in the analogy of what I'm trying to do. Go to all the platforms, like YouTube is a big one as well, and put the messages out there. Uh, we're also taking all of Western stuff, putting it on YouTube as well. And that's getting tens of, uh, I think, 5,000, uh, 50,000 minutes, something like that. Some crazy number, but people are absorbing this material where they're at. And uh, so we're doing great. Um, but that's kind of how I think that Christians with all these platforms are already out there. Yes, they're run by companies that not, don't hold the Christian values, but they're not stopping me from putting out Christian doctrines and Christian materials. Now, even on Facebook is a great example. Whenever somebody does a podcast episode, like when I do one or Calcedon does one, I'll create a image for them. And Facebook and all the people that are on social media, images are a big thing that kind of capture your attention. When people are scrolling their feeds, they skip by text, but they see an image and it catches their attention. So we do that. We put that up on Instagram, which people can follow that. And then that, of course, gets posted to social media like Facebook and Twitter and with the links back to the website. And of course, those things are already on the podcast, which people, if they subscribe to your podcast on iTunes or otherwise, they automatically get your stuff right, at, right there on their phone. So you don't have to have an app. You just have to have a podcast. So it's very easy to get your messages out there. And so we use all these different platforms at the same time right now uh, to propagate all these different messages, Restroom stuff, Calcedon stuff, the podcast host that I have. I run a couple podcasts. But to get these messages out there to as many people as far as we can and not to, like Steve was saying, not to argue. Our job is not to get out there and argue with people, demean people. And there's going to be Christians we don't agree 100% on. It doesn't mean we can't work together. It doesn't mean we have to demonize each other. And it doesn't mean we have to fight. Now, there are certain doctrines, of course, and even my podcast network, you have to hold to what I would consider to be Orthodox Christianity, the basic tenets of the faith. And I have that on the website, which is when people submit an application, they have to agree to those tenets of the faith, which are the most basic ones in general. Um, the other ones, however, we can agree to disagree sometimes, but we don't have to demonize. We don't have to fight and we don't have to cause divisions and basically showing the world that we have nothing to emulate. Why in the world would somebody listen to us when we have more problems amongst ourselves than the world does? And so that's kind of my goal with all this is to put out uh, the message, get it out there and put it out as far as we can using every platform available. Well, I think there's something behind what you're doing. Uh, that's that's more important than maybe even the media, uh, whether it's a podcast or a website. I think that what's implicit or behind the idea of Christian reconstruction is the power of our ideas, that, that somehow we have a confidence that if just the right people heard this or just the right Christians engaged with this, that the Holy Spirit would take a hold of them and they'd be able to do more now that they know what they've heard from Brush Duty Radio or uh, from CR 101 or one of these podcasts, that you have this idea that these ideas put out by Rush Duty and, and folks at Calcedon have the power to change lives. And it really brings me back maybe to the 1960s uh, in communist China. There was a little red book. Um, you might be know what I'm talking about, Andrea, the, the sayings of Chairman Mao. And it was maybe a couple hundred quotations, things like political power is only spread by the power of a gun or something like that. And it was just little aphorisms in a, in a little book that was about the size of the palm of your hand. And now there are you know, two or three billion copies of this book throughout the world. And 
this became kind of the intellectual, even though it wasn't very complicated and it wasn't very systematic, it became the intellectual impetus behind the Cultural Revolution in China. They could all memorize, have access, recite, regurgitate, really the, the Cultural Revolution's maxims because it was easily accessible to whether you were a 14-year-old child or a 50-year-old man, the sayings of Mao became part of their cultural conversation through this tiny little book. And I think that the power there was you had a, a largely intellectually impoverished people. Now they're giving a purpose, a reason, a, a mission, and a vision, and they went ahead and just followed what was available to them. What, Jeremy, I think you're doing is not promoting communism, obviously, but giving access to a great number of people in a medium that's accessible to them so that they might have the same type of power to apply those principles to their life today. The idea is some people think that they have to be, you know, an RJ Rushdie, which um, I, I've never met a speaker that could speak as well as him nor be as thoughtful as him. But you don't have to be RJ Rushdie to make an impact with people. This common teacher in the classroom uh, is doing more good for that child uh, because they're in the classroom teaching that child right there and then. They've never heard of Rushdie. They can't be him. But for that child, they're more powerful than any Rushdie or Martin Luther can be because they're the one who can make an impact with that person's life, even though they themselves may not be the best person in the world, the best teacher in the world. But God can use anybody if they will just get out there and deliver the message, even if it's not perfect. But God can use us, and that's what preaching is all about. I mean, we are teaching to dry bones, and if those bones can live or not, it's up to God. But I think that many people suffer. They don't want to get out there and teach because they don't think they're the superstar, or they want to be the superstar, and therefore they give up because they can't be the superstar, or they just want intellectual respectability. But we're called to teach and preach and to work, and we're not necessarily called to be popular, and we're definitely not all called to be scholars, but many people have a lot to teach. And they're just failing to do so as a norm. You know, it's funny, Jeremy, because Dr. R.J. Rushdoony, while he was alive, was not really big on promoting his stuff. Uh, my husband and I used to spend a lot of time saying, we could get your books here, or we could get your books there. And he had this very resolute answer was, real readers will find me. And mm -hmm. you know what? He was a man for his time, and God used him powerfully. But it's the Jeremy's of the world who said, yep, that's great. There's not going to be a lot of R.J. Rush Dooney's, but we can propagate his message. And I imagine when you started this whole enterprise, you probably made some missteps along the way and said, whoa, I'm not going to do it that way. More people just jumped in the water and figured it out as they went along. I think we would have people who bump into these ideas not expecting that it was going to change their life, but discovering that there are many sentences or two that Rush Dooney has put together that does change people's lives. I agree entirely. And there's one phrase which has really kept me going, even though I don't consider myself to be that productive, but I'm trying my best. The one phrase I came across in the Bible said that a living dog is better than a dead lion. And so Rush Dooney is definitely an absolute powerhouse. Uh, I would put him in the lion category, and I would definitely put myself more in the, the puppy dog category. But while we're here, we get a chance to impact. And so I think that's very important that while you're here now, you're alive, and you've been given a calling, a job, been given the Great Commission, 
get out there and teach first yourself, then your family, those around you, and then try your best to teach the nations. And if you just get out there, God can use anyone and everybody who has a heart for the truth and is willing to just teach what God wants them to do. And he'll take and bless it for his purposes. And even though we may or may not have a full idea of where we're going, if we just get out there and try, God will use us as he decides. I know you mentioned that the the world has been a little more savvy and getting apps and, and controlling media and Hollywood and all of the different uh, glamour and, and dollars seem to be in favor of the world's media. They have the beautiful hardbound books. They have the, the full length movies with you know, multi-million dollar budgets. But I think what's really important for people to recognize is that they're not in a place of power because of the, the success of their ideas, right? The, we shouldn't look at the anti-Christian bias of the American news media and say, well, they must have better ideas because they're the ones who have all the power. And rather recognize that the only reason that secular media, which pushes all kinds of strange things from transgenderism to anti-Christian bigotry, the only reason that they're in a place of authority today is because of the lack of effort by Christians of the last generation. One of my favorite heroes, and I'm sure Andrea knows the name I'm going to say before I even say it, uh, right. was Abraham Abraham Kuyper. <laughs> and and uh, Kuyper uh, in the Netherlands recognized that the media at his time was leftist and that they wanted to hold down the Christian church, hold down Christian ideas, hold down Christian schools, and that their solutions, the leftist solutions, didn't make better schools, didn't make better people, didn't make better health care. So he started the standard. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the Dutch version of the standard newspaper's name was, uh, but I'm assuming it's something like Das Standard or something like that. But Kuiper put this newspaper together, and his whole purpose was to give an answer, allow Christians to speak to the left's propositions. And what he quickly recognized is that his solutions, because they were founded in the scriptural principles, worked. The people resonated with them, and that he became more and more popular the more strictly he held to the Bible's scriptural answers. And I think the same thing is going to happen uh, with your podcast network, and it's been what's allowed Christians to uh, flourish in generations past. The closer we get back to God's answers, the more power we have behind us, no matter what size we are. Jeremy, you mentioned that you have a number of podcasts. Now, most people would say, I don't know that I have that much to talk about, but do you have specific target audiences for each of your podcasts? Yes, uh, that's one of the things that uh, we do. Some people, and uh, sometimes I get a little overzealous about things, I suppose, and I can't honestly say as I... Uh, think I have too much to say. I think everybody suffers from the idea of who wants to listen to me syndrome. Yes, I do a couple of podcasts. Uh, one is called Preschool Pioneers. It's specifically directed at trying to inspire people uh, and equip them to get out there and not just, you know, not just listen to stuff and not just to be entertained, but to actually get involved. And that one specifically is uh, geared towards promoting the idea of why Christians should become teachers and why they need to become teachers, and not just that, but start their own schools. And that one is specifically for that idea. So we discuss uh, the ideas behind why Christians are important, and then some uh, advice. So if there's any Christian teachers out there, I do give practical advice 
uh, every episode about uh, different things that you're going to encounter as a teacher or if you own and operate a facility, that kind of thing. Uh, and we also talk about products that are available that you might might help as well. And uh, I have another one, like I said, reform, reproduce and reconstruct. That one's kind of focus is on the family, uh, hence the reproduce part. Um, but discussing uh, important doctrines, how important the family is in particular, uh, raising a godly family, being a godly husband, being a godly wife, what goes into that. Uh, and then, of course, how to get involved in the community, because all the stuff that Rushdie said is great, but it's not entertainment. Rushdie wasn't an entertainer. He was a teacher. He was a lecturer. But he wanted people to get out there. And uh, I really because I've been listening to Rushdie for 20 years now. And I recently came across some of his other stuff that I just hadn't listened to. There's so much of it. Um, that even after 20 years, I still haven't listened to all of it. And I've read almost all of his books, but there's still new books that I haven't read yet. It's amazing. Uh, he was so prolific and profound. But Christian schools was one of the main focuses he had. And he spoke about it very, very often. Homeschooling, obviously, was a major focus of his, which is why he was such a proponent of it. Um, but also not just about your personal family. Because your personal family, I mean, your Christianity, your sanctification, your marriage, your kids come first. But it didn't stop there. And so if we're going to get out there, we're going to help influence the world, then we have to go outside and branch outside of just ourselves. And uh, so that's why he promoted, in my opinion, Christian schools as heavily as he did as well. And obviously, I've been in Christian schools for 20 years. And I can honestly tell you that there's really no way of explaining um, how rewarding it is to work with these children and these families. And with me, it's not like you're going to argue with someone on the internet, but you're working with this child day in and day out. I mean, I teach Bible time uh, twice a day to these kids, five days a week, teaching them good doctrine, teaching them real Christianity. Uh, we serve the entire community. Anybody that wants to bring their kids to our school and have a Christian education, we'll teach them. And so we don't just teach them one time. We're not just giving a lecture that somebody listens to one time. You're getting a child to sit there, and I've been with many, many, many families for at least a decade, some people 15 years, uh, and I have them coming back now because I've been doing this 20 years. They're getting married. They're going off to college. They're going to the military, um, and so we're seeing these kids now growing up, and the impact we don't know. Uh, we don't really know what kind of impact we're going to have, but we know this much is that the word never returns void. So I'm in there teaching day in and day out, and I'm going to have an effect on them. And God's bringing these kids to me. And Restony heavily promoted Christian schools because education is a major societal influencer. And it wasn't just because of that, but that is the Great Commission. But if we look at our enemies, education is their primary, primary goal. Uh, it always has been. And so that's one of the reasons why when, with the podcast that I focus on, um, getting involved, not just listening about something, but why is it I'm listening to Rushdie? What is he teaching me? He's wanting me to do something. It's not just be entertained by him and think he's a wonderful man, uh, but to get out there and get involved either personally in my family, with my marriage, uh, or with society or education, whatever you can do. And I used to think that everybody should just get involved in education when I was much more naive and much younger. But now that I'm 20 years into this and a veteran, I don't believe that just anybody can become an educator. I do think that there are some people who have the calling for it, the gift for it, but not everybody. And so my goal is to find those people who have a desire. They believe it's their calling. And if they come to me and to our operation here, we have an apprenticeship program. We will train those people how to become successful teachers, not just talk about it, actually train them. And then, of course, they can go off and run their own school 
and you know propagate the faith through education. But that's one of our goals. And for me, that's my main focus is to get people involved. Yeah, well, I think the power of what you're, you're doing is you're breaking away from a common misconception that in order for us to be effective or for us to have an influence or for us to be successful, there's this, this idea that you have to reach a, a large group of people, that the only successful evangelists are, are those who run Billy Graham style crusades or those who have really large churches or those who have a lot of subscribers or listeners. But what we're discovering is that the future of Christianity actually exists in these small pockets, uh, what Dr. Rushdini described as these dedicated minorities, and that there's almost a tribal mentality that these small groups of people are actually the ones controlling the future, uh, controlling the, the dialogue. I know that there are people coming out of your schools in Florida uh, and from different Chalcedon ministries around the country that have significant impact, even though they're maybe a dozen strong or two dozen strong, because they're willing to put their hands to the plow. And this kind of tribal identity where we recognize that there's a common goal and we're going to commit to that goal is attracting people who are worthy uh, of the kingdom work we're doing and are doing a lot more than those who claim to have thousands of converts every year. One of the things that I really appreciate as I look across the landscape, the most productive people come from families that have more than one or two children. Um, I realize not everybody is capable or in a position to think that they can have big families, but the advantage of big families goes back to the fact that the parents are being trained in discipleship with their own children. So by the time their children are grown and living life, these people are veterans of what it takes to educate, and they can become the mentors of younger families. And so the fact that, Jeremy, you're bringing all kinds, and the same with our school, we look to attract anybody who wants a Christian education for their children, we don't need to be worried about do they fit our our blueprint of what's the perfect person, let's help them become the kind of people God calls them to be. Mm. I, I, I agree entirely with that. In education, when I was growing up, um, everybody went to the government, local public schools, so did I. Uh, nobody thought there was any you know, difference between uh, public education, government education, and Christian education. And of course, uh, I realized, and I got a little bit older, uh, there's a major difference. It's a uh, called religious foundations but um it is important that people realize that that when they the, the importance of christian education that there's a difference there and if they get involved with it um, they can make the difference in people's lives um, and as steve was saying a second ago we don't have to have a million viewers you don't have to be the next joe rogan um to get out there uh, you don't have to be you know you don't have to own 50 schools so you don't have to do this or that but what you do is whatever you have at your right hand to do, do all that with the, your might that you have to, to, to work with. And I think that uh, putting out information, reading books is important. Listening to good content like Rushdini is very important. But even more important than all that um, is what we do. Uh, at the end of the day, um, Ecclesiastes kind of summed it all up for me. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. It says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And if we can just get one or two or three people um, to do that, 
if I can just convince children uh, that obeying God's commandments is the way to live, um, that right there is enough for me. I don't have to have 10,000 people that are willing to listen to me. All I have to have is as many as God is going to let me influence. That's the number that I want to influence. And if he increases that, great. Um, and if you get the opportunity, great. And as far as having children is concerned, that's why I think it's very important. Um, my wife and I, we have 11 and we do homeschool our kids and have, even though we run a school, uh, we also homeschool our kids and we also give them practical training as well. And the family, of course, is the first school anyways, and the parents are the first teachers. And so I don't think that people can, uh, just as a parent is super important, they would never say, well, I only have one child, so it's not really that important. Uh, you doing your job is the most important thing to you. You don't have to be the next president of the United States or the next big uh, theologian. The only thing you have to be is the person that whatever God gives you to do, you do that to the best of your ability, and that's where your reward is going to be at. Well, I think that's great. And, you know, at the beginning of this, we started talking about the, the how the world controls really the media and how we can ha have an alternative and how we should approach the competition that we have against such a, an arduous enemy in CNN or even Fox News or Facebook who wants to push censorship or limit the amount of viewpoints. And I think as, as Christians, we should recognize that it's really a blessing and a curse to have such strong enemies. Uh, we often forget that the world that Christ was incarnated into, the, the world of Rome, had made it possible through the various avenues and, and highways created by the Roman army for the gospel to travel through the apostles to the four corners of the world, that that was the media by which the scrolls and the scribes and the, the words and the speeches could travel from this tiny little town of Bethlehem through Galilee, all the way through Jerusalem to the four corners of the world. That was an, an action of media against the world's strongest empire. And it's that same empire that after the Council of Nicaea allows the great emperor Constantine to spread this news of Christianity to the entire existing continent, even though at the year 324, it would be expected that the enemy, Constantine, would have been the greatest opponent to the spreading of the gospel. Or if you even go further with the ninth century, we have Cyril and Methodius who go into the pagan lands to the Slavic steppes, and they see a people who do not speak their language, who control the outskirts of our empire, and Cyril and Methodius take the media, that is the language of the Slavs, translate it into this Cyrillic alphabet using their Christian identity and give them the media, the Bible in their own language. And you see that happening all throughout Christian history, that by the time you get to the Reformation, the pattern is already set. When Christians encounter great media enemies, they steal from the pagans and they use it to spread his gospel. When the printing press shows up, I'm sure that the goal was not that Martin Luther would be able to get his theses all over Europe, but that's exactly what happened. One man with one event was able to spread from every kingdom in Europe because of the media of the printing press. And that continues all the way throughout history so that now today, every single person through this internet superhighway, through Audible and podcasts, through websites and blogs, we have no excuse not to give an answer for the hope and faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And we have unprecedented access to share it because of what the pagans have built for us to use. And I would greatly encourage people, and, and Jeremy, I will give you an opportunity at the end to tell people how to find your podcast and your network. 
But this is what you should be spending your time on, listening to good, sound theology that can be applied in everyday life. And when you are equipped, you know, St. Peter says to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you. That comes from having a depth of knowledge and understanding that when you're talking to the most opposite viewpoint of someone, your neighbor, right, that you have something to address to this neighbor. I was out on a bike ride yesterday and I discovered my next door neighbor has a lawn sign that promotes candidates that I would want nothing to do with governing our country. But rather than saying, I have nothing to say to these people, when opportunity comes, because I am interested in reaching them with the gospel, that I'm prepared to have a dialogue as opposed to, I don't have anything to say, so I just have to make these people my enemies. Well, I agree entirely with, with all that. Uh, the major aspect that we've been touching on here um, is that we don't have to fret. And whenever the gospel came out, the dominion mandate was given, we could sit back and relax and we could operate without having to resort to violence or revolution or rebellion um, to anybody because the Bible is very clear that Christ is in charge and the government is on his shoulders. All power in heaven and earth has been given to him. So that's why we're supposed to go and teach. And so I think that if Christians can absorb that simple fact, that Christ is king, a very simple idea, but very misunderstood. All the national politics in the world are under control. All the craziness that happens all around the world is under control. Uh, all the police and all the dramas and all the riots, everything's under control. So instead of focusing on all the things we have no control over, we're supposed to be focusing on the things that we do have some control over. Yourself, your marriage, your family, your children, your vocation. And then if you can get involved, if you can uh, write a book, if you can create a podcast, if you can uh, create uh, movies and videos that are going to inspire people to obey God's commandments, educate them, edify them, then do those things. Um, I don't think everybody can. I don't think everybody can write books. I know I couldn't. I know everybody can't do podcasting. Not everybody can become a Christian teacher or operate a business. But those people that can, that are Christians, need to get out there and get involved. And it doesn't matter how you can get involved. Do your best. And if you can't get involved in any of those things, then just pass on the things that have inspired you or edified you or helped you. In my case, I'll go ahead and roll into how you can find our stuff. But rustyourneradio.org is what we've created, and all that content and much, much more can be found at Calcedon's website at calcedon.edu. And uh, ours, of course, is kind of like players. We can listen to the stuff on the go. Um, and if you need something, if you want to inspire, get have somebody get inspired, educate them most certainly, share Rustyourney's content. Um, I love the slogan that Calcedon came up with a while back, some years ago. It says, read Rustyourney. Absolutely. Get his books. Pass on his books. You want one of his books? Uh, enter one of our free giveaways each week on our website at cr101radio.com and uh, try to get a free book. We'll send it to you for free. Uh, but definitely read Resturney. Um, I did a hashtag now, listen to Resturney. It goes right along with it. Listen to what he has to say as well. Uh, but not just listen. Don't just be entertained. Don't just be uh, inspired that he's a great teacher um, or profound. But actually listen to what he's telling you, what he's teaching you, and it will impact your life. It has mine. Uh, you can also find all of our podcasts on cr101radio.com, as I mentioned before. Lots of different stuff on there. Also, rest your stuff on there. All kinds of stuff. 
Uh, in our apprenticeship program, which I mentioned before that we train people, is at gcsapprenticeship.com. You can look at information there, and mostly comes down to the fact that if you want to be a Christian teacher, uh, you feel the possible desire or you see there's a need, well, we can help you. Um, contact us via that, gcsapprenticeship at gmail.com, and uh, we'll see if you can become a teacher, and if you can, we'll train you. We'll help you get involved and help you make a difference in people's lives. But that's how you can find us. Let me add that, and, and you made a statement that I think is really going to resonate with people. Not everybody can do everything. Um, one of the great things about humility is recognizing the fact that you don't have to be that other person. If God gave another person talent and ability, you can feed off that and learn from it. You don't have to become that. But if you're somebody who's saying, I'd love to contribute well, there are ways to contribute financially to people who are doing things. Now, if you notice, Jeremy didn't say any of that, send donations or whatever. But, you know, by using the service, by going to Audible and downloading books and things like that, you are basically supporting his work. For those who are interested in Christian education but don't exactly know what to do, Find a Christian school or find a family in your church that wants to homeschool but could use financial help and do it. We can always add to the mix by doing what's in front of us rather than lamenting we're not what other people are. Amen. That's very important. And supporting those people who are doing the kingdom work is something the rest of you talked about very, very often uh, with our tithes and our gifts. And that's something that um, definitely the listener should take into account. And Chalcedon, as you mentioned, our uh, me personally, our church and our organization, Grace Community School, has supported Chalcedon for many, many, many years. And we definitely encourage every single person to do so as well. The work that Chalcedon has done and is going to be doing in the future is invaluable and definitely worthy of support. Steve, do you have any closing thoughts before we finish up here today? Well, I just want to you know, use a quote that I've probably said several times, and that is, on this type of, of conversation, it's very easy for us to feel uh, that this is maybe not something for you, um, that maybe all the great ideas have already been taken. And to that, we have the words of Chesterton, who said that the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, but it has been found difficult and not tried. And so my admonition to those who are listening to this because they want you to get involved in media or they want to get involved in publishing or educating or leading small Bible studies uh, is to look up a small book by a man named Marvin Alasky. And he was one of the editors, I think he's still an editor for World Magazine, a great Presbyterian publication that started out with very humble and very small, less than a thousand subscribers. Uh, but he wrote a book called The Prodigal Press. And he talks about how the greatest threat to Christian media is not the left or Satan or other ideas. It's Christians who refuse to do something. And even though it's difficult, we're called to take dominion in even this area. And the Lord promises that even the gates of hell, those defensive gates, will not prevail against his work and his kingdom. That's a good thought to close with. Jeremy, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. And of course, the expression is, if you want something done, go to a busy man. That's so true. But thank you for having me. It's been enjoy enjoyable to talk about this very important subject.
All right. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you would like to comment on this podcast or give us a suggestion or two for future discussions, you can reach us at outofthequestionpodcast at gmail.com. Talk with you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.